What's up, y'all? I'm Jamal. And I'm Brandon, and this is The Way We Ball. What is up, everybody? Another episode, episode number five of The Way We Ball podcast. It is coming by fast, but hey, time flies when you're having fun. Me and Brandon thought it'd be appropriate to not have an interview this time and just talk playoffs. It has been a fun weekend. We won our first playoff game in a very long time, and we didn't just win. We won decisively. We looked like the better team. We played like the better team. And at the end of the day, the better team won. Uh, Brandon, what were your thoughts on this weekend before we dive into everything? So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you. We definitely looked like the better squad. We were also the healthier squad. I mean, I'm not going to make any excuses for Salt Lake, but they did have several inju- injuries, including Pablo Ruiz, Eric Holt, Axel Kai, and Zach Farnsworth. So, like, those are four notable players that are, they are missing. And you could definitely tell because their attack just kind of looked very lackluster. If it wasn't for that Diego Luna counterattack goal, like they had nothing going for them up front. And I feel like that's the only way they're going to possibly score against us. It's strictly against the counterattack. So to give folks a quick idea on today's episode, we are going to do a quick dive into that playoff game. Do a quick recap of our RSL match. Talk about the next RSL match that's coming up on Monday in Salt Lake. Um, from there, we'll talk about a little bit of the other happenings in the playoffs, um, as well as some issues that we saw um, during that playoff game, mostly with the crowd. I will say, let me preface that with Hustletown, all the supporter groups. Today's segment has nothing to do with you guys because you guys <laughs> showed up, you guys were loud, and you guys showed why we have some of the best supporters group in all of MLS. I don't think that's a controversial take at all. You guys showed up and you guys made up for all those fickle fans that didn't make it into the stadium uh, either on time or at all. So shouts out to all the supporter groups. I had to get that part out um, because I don't want people to confuse um, our rants with with those guys. Two completely different um, subjects. So Brandon, first off, I wanted to talk about we we haven't really talked about this at all. Um, so Glenn had talked about in our interview with him that Mastroni was actually target number one for the Houston Dynamo. After seeing the way Salt Lake has played, do you see why he was target number one? How would you feel if he if we ended up with Pablo Mastroni to begin with? I thought his game management of that was smart. In the sense, what I mean by that is he knew exactly how we get our bread and butter. Like it is through Keone's on the wing and just tiring out those defenders and then letting bossy cook over to Herrera, Coco, etc. And you saw like a really big focus to shut those two down. And, you know, we mentioned actually in the spaces, I felt like Keone's had a better defensive game than he did an offensive game. Like I was actually really impressed with the way he was able to get back and cause a couple of turnovers on the wing. And it really did force Escobar to push up a little bit more forward. So in that sense, I think he did really well watching tape, seeing where they went wrong in the previous two matches that when we beat them in three straight uh, in three days where we beat them at home and then beat them again on the road. I think he knew he, he watched his tape there. I just think in the end, we were too good and overcame his his strategy. Yeah, he uh, he really kind of solidified to me at least, that he belongs in the MLS. He belongs as a head coach. I would have been totally okay with him being being our head coach. The thing uh, that really impressed me with him was adjustments. Not just before yeah. the game, but in-game. Halftime, he wasn't uh, waiting to make changes. He made them immediately, and they got a goal. Um, and again, it was a, a counterattacking goal, but um, 
for me, with the way MLS and not just MLS, but soccer, the way it's played today, you have to make those in-game adjustments. It's like a it's like a boxing match. And so uh, when he made those adjustments, um, I just I was I, again, I was just really impressed. Uh, sorry, I have a dog going off. So he kind of just <laughs> threw off my, my train of thinking. But um, he kind of showed, again, why he was choice number one for the Houston Dynamo. And who knows, in an alternate universe, maybe we'd have this kind of success with him. Um, but going on from that, uh, so give us a quick breakdown of the game, man. How did it go from you? Start from uh, minute one. So in terms of like, we can start to kind of look at the numbers there because in, in how we, we owned possession. Now I did mention, like, I think the only way RSL is going to score is through the counterattack. And that shows in the possession numbers. We owned uh, the ball 71% to their 29%. So, and, and that was obvious from the get go. It looked like Hector was able sometimes to literally just stand with the ball and park out orders. Like he was at like, like a quarterback directing the line. Like that was kind of nuts how much we got to own the ball. And then also we dominated the shots, 23 shots to their seven. Now, even though we had 23 shots, we only had five that were on goal. So a 22% kind of conversion rate there isn't the best thing. You also have to factor in that Baird hit the crossbar and then our tour from almost halfway drilled the crossbar. So we could have pushed that lead to four one. And then finally nine corners to one. So you can see that RSL was really, really just playing counterattack. And I think also a lot of that is like I mentioned at the top, they have a ton of injuries. So this is kind of their only, only possibility to really try to stay into a game. And, and they did that. They made it interesting. It was one, one, and it took us in the 80th minute for bossy to finally finish that off. So I honestly, I felt good. I think the rest of the crowd was never nervous. Like there was nothing in the stands that made it feel like when they scored, especially that like, Oh no, here we go again, type of a feeling. It was a lot of like, all right, when are we going to score? We're going to get this goal. And and that was kind of reassuring because before, my God, if we gave up a goal, like we, we were done for, the best we would get is to play for the draw and then PKs. But that wasn't the case, man. Like there, you could just tell we were going to take that game and then we did it. Yeah, I still, uh, I feel like I have some PTSD from years past. Um, I told you guys in our group, in our group chat that um, when RSL had that goal, I had a rant typed up typed up about ben olsen because i'm like dude you haven't made no changes like again this is why i call you mls coach 1.0 you have no creativity like i was getting ready to go off and then it's like wait a second we scored and it's like and we were still dominant and i was like wait wait a second. where's the dynamo that would get a tie late in the game and then eventually lose and so yep. um i just I, and i believe a lot of fans have that sentiment that i have we were just so used to this disappointing dynamo team and um it, it was just surprising that we actually responded to that goal. And again, Mastroni made his changes. Salt Lake made their changes. They had that goal, but like you said, it never felt uh, it never felt like they were in control. And even after that goal, it's kind of like that it got everybody together before they lined up. And it's like, okay, let's get back, let's calm ourselves, let's get back into this. And sure enough, we it's like we never skipped a beat. If you were to cut, if you were to edit it, because a lot of times in soccer, when when a team scores, you can tell off body language and you could tell like something big had just happened. If you were to edit that little goal out, you would have never known that the Dynamo were just scored on just based off body language, the way they were playing their attack. Like they did not skip a beat and that's great. And you're going to need that. It's a lot like a quarterback, right? Some of the best quarterbacks have the shortest attention or shortest memory, especially after throwing a pick. And I felt like this team, 
to use that metaphor, it's like they had just thrown a pick and got that goal scored on them. And it's like, they completely forgot about it. Let's get back to what we were doing. So that was great to see. Um, as you said, you had made another point um, that for some reason, I, I, I can't remember right now. I want to build off something that you're mentioning is it's in terms of Ben making really late substitutions that did kind of surprise me that, I mean, we, it felt like, I, to be honest with you, I can't draw it off the top of my head, but I don't think it came until like the 80th minute plus. And it was, it was uh, for uh, Caicedo and uh, Brad Smith, and they came on for Bossy and, and Keone's. Now, granted, we were already up to one, so I think it was more kind of just like drain the clock a little bit. But what was very interesting was in around the 60th minute, Thor was up. And Thor was actually looking at the iPad and he was talking directly with Ben. So it, it was one of those moments where it was like, oh, is Thor going to come on for Baird here? Because we're hoping for one of those kind of corner goals because he would have the height advantage. And like I said, nine corners to one. And and we're not really very great off corner goals, except for that one in Portland, which was a angle from God from Dorsey there. So like you can't really count on those. And then. Thor does have late game magic. Like he is just somebody that seems to put good strikes on goal. So I understood the substitution, but then after we got that second goal, Thor went and sat down. And then later on in the 90th minute, I think it was just a time-wasting one. Uh, Aliu did come on, but I, I was a little bit shocked to see how late we decided to go for substitutions when Caicedo all year has been a good option off the bench. And then also Seba coming in the 10 role. Like I thought we might see him too, to kind of maybe set up some passing goals, but it, that's the only thing that really concerns me is this starting lineup that we have. It seems like it's ride or die with these guys. And that can be some really tired legs going on later in the rounds. I think what helped was that uh, the chemistry was just going so well. Maybe he didn't want to break that up. I'm trying to think. Uh, I'm trying to think a little positively, I guess, um, because you're right. Uh, if you look, if if you watch back on the TV presentation of the match, Thor was getting ready to get in, and the camera guy got a good glimpse of that. Which I was thinking is Thor. So I always thought Thor was done. I think we mentioned it before, like he's probably not going to suit up for the Dynamo after this year. So the fact that when we needed a goal, Olsen thought Thor ahead of uh, Aleu, that kind of like perked up my eyebrow because I was just like, hmm. Um, now, was that just one of those, is that Olsen kind of just giving up and saying, you know what, Thor has the biggest, uh, he's the the biggest guts, I guess, for lack of a better term, as far as just <laughs> shooting at the goal. Um, is that what that was? Do you think, do you think he still believes in Thor? Is there still a place for Thor in this squad? You know, like I, I, I do. I think in terms, if you were to match up Thor versus Ibrahim, like I think Thor has a better finishing touch. He's better at getting a shot on goal. And I think in that moment, RSL's defense really wasn't doing a great job of clearing the ball out. So I think he was probably thinking if Thor can get a shot, the keeper deflects it, maybe we have an easy putback goal. And so that can give us like a cheap 2-1 kind of victory there. Other than that, maybe I did mention, maybe it's the height advantage to put him in the box, cross it in there, see if he can head it in. But I don't know when the last time Thor actually played was. Like it's been a really long minute. I know he's played a couple of Dynados games, but... Other than that, I, I really cannot recall the last time he played at least meaningful minutes. So to call him up in a playoff game, I don't know if that's like the move going forward or maybe in practice he's really been showing out and so he, he's earned his time. 
but that that one would have really been a kind of an eyebrow raiser if if he would have brought him on. Yeah, and then I mean the the part that confused me was that Aleu uh, Ibrahim eventually does get does get the playing time. So, um, and he's not the strongest defender either. So, um, no, I think, I, I, I think I think he just is that guy that has that motor that runs around for like hours, and it just makes defenders have to chase him. And especially when you have tired legs, like it just makes it a little bit harder to keep going after him. So, I think that's kind of like the Ivan Franco like. I just give max effort all the time kind of dude. And I, I think that's why he gets those later minutes. Cause Thor really isn't that guy. Thor is a lot more of a I, lack of a better word, clinical finisher. And so I think that's why you've tried to bring him on again for either a magic goal or a deflection goal, something to just kind of create more chances. You had made a point, Brandon, um, t- kind of backtracking here that the crowd never really got nervous. Well, I challenged that because I got nervous as hell when Clark <laughs> goes down was that as bad at the stadium as it looked on TV? Because I thought Homeboy's leg was broken, shattered. It looked nasty. His reaction probably made it even worse. Yeah, dude, you, I, you're you not wrong. Like, the speed that both of them were going at and when they collided, it was a really – it looked more like a safety making a tackle on a wide receiver in the open field than it did a keeper trying to deflect it out. So when he was down, he's not really one to kind of like – thrive in pain or ride around so like he he's kind of you know old school rub some dirt on it and he gets back up in there so he looked pretty rough now granted it was at the far end from the supporter section so it was a little bit more challenging to see I mean I'm sure you probably had a better view of it on on TV but thank god he was okay when he got back up and started moving around in goal that was reassuring and then after the match he was dancing around with everybody so in the end I, I think he should be okay probably just a wicked bruise that nobody can touch <laughs> that or i mean it was during those uh those minutes of the match where you want to kill some time so yeah. if that were the case get the he Academy is a savvy award <laughs> yeah the guy uh the guy deserves an oscar after that performance watch out dicaprio because man clark has yeah. a uh clark has a career in hollywood after that um the only thing i will ahead. say that was concerning is uh, Escobar and Coco both picked up a yellow. Now, I made sure I looked up what the accumulation is in playoffs. So if you get three yellows before the conference final, you're suspended. So they reset in the conference final. So we still have this round, then we have semifinals, and then conference finals. So Coco and Escobar picking up a yellow really does kind of hurt. Um, Escobar, yeah, our defense can probably manage, but he's been so reliable back there on the left back that like, yeah, we can bring in teenage and maybe shift somebody out or even Steris has earned it. Bartlow definitely has earned it. So we're a little bit more flex, but I, I, I don't know. I worry about Coco. I, I, I know I voiced a lot of concern about him on spaces, especially in this game specifically, he had some dribbling magic, man, where he was burning people, but on top of that, he had a lot of passes again that were just either not to really the right space. They were too hard of a touch. It was a turnover. And and his shooting accuracy is the most concerning. He's either somebody that's going to blast an absolute banger from outside the box, or he's going to shoot it up to me in the second deck. Like, it's just, it is concerning. That is my biggest knock on Coco. He's not Panama Coco. No, and I think that gives him the biggest hall pass is that we all know what he's capable of and we all think of Panama Coco, but yeah. I have not seen Panama Coco playing for this Houston Dynamo squad. And I don't know if it's coaching or if it's just the way he gels. I mean, I'm not I'm not insinuating that he might not get along with Hector and, and Bossy because I think they have a good core. 
Um, but his style is is just so much more different with the national team, and it gives him a big hall pass with fans, including myself. He gets away with a lot for me because I know what he's capable of, and I'm not I'm not mad at it. I don't feel like he's I don't feel like he hurts us either. Um, but I feel like if you had Coco playing at the Coco, we know he's capable of playing. Like we'd be just so much, even so much scarier. Um, what worries me about the yellow card accumulation is is um, is uh, Escobar because the guy. <laughs> The guy can be a loose cannon. The guy, you know, he uh, he's fiery. <laughs> he's fiery to say the least. And so, um, I just uh, you you you're you're right. All those other guys are deserving of playing, but they don't bring what Escobar brings to that specific position. And um, I just love having the the line we had back there. That's my favorite lineup. We've talked Thanks. about it in one of our first episodes. And I just I don't see anyone putting up two, three goals against that back line. So um, I think in this in this specific scenario, protect Escobar more so than Coco. If I had to choose one, um, I, I just hope Escobar kind of takes care of himself, especially against Real Salt Lake. Maybe sub him out if we have a lead. Yeah. Um, but uh, I feel like, uh, I mean, man, controversial take. And if whoever's listening, let us know your thoughts. If you had to sacrifice either Escobar or Coco, who would you sacrifice with those yellow cards? I'm going, I'm going Coco. I'm okay with Seba starting there in, in his place. Um, I just, man, Escobar, that, that whole back, that whole defense, not just the back line, even the keeper. It's, it's been our bread and butter. I think the midfield eventually became what we're known yeah. for, but uh, that defense has just, has been one of the better ones in MLS all season. So, um, well, looking forward, Brandon, what are your thoughts for playing at Real Salt Lake? So I kind of did a deep dive, like into the numbers of Real Salt Lake's home matches. And I, I literally just was like scrolling fixture by fixture in this one. And I only was looking at their MLS record at home, uh, specifically for just this season. Cause actually, if you add in like league cup and us open cup, it does get worse. But, uh, for, so just talking about specifically for, uh, MLS matches, they have six wins at home. Now, five of the six wins have come against playoff teams, but only one of those wins is against a top four, uh, top five team, which is Orlando where they smoked them four nil surprisingly enough. Right. Like didn't see that, yeah. coming. but everything else was three, one over Charlotte ninth seed. 3-1 over San Jose, ninth seed. 3-1 over uh, Red Bulls, eighth seed. 2-0 over Colorado, didn't even, dead last in MLS. And then 2-1 over Vancouver, which was sixth place. So even though that they have these great uh, home wins over quote-unquote playoff teams, it really is against the bottom of the barrel of the playoff teams. So they're... I, I feel really confident. In fact, they actually had a better road record than they did home record. And when, again, I was like, okay, well, let's see how they did necessarily on the road. A lot better. Uh, they had seven, uh, they actually had seven losses on the road. And I, again, I deep dived into those three of those seven were to top four teams. So like the teams that they were actually losing to, they were, they were getting crushed like against the top notch team. So what it tells me is they kind of played to their talent. Meaning if they're playing a middle of the pack team in terms of like the bottom of the table, they're going to barely eat those out. But when they have to play against the mighty top four, they're getting smoked. So I feel even though we were not a great road team, well, one of our road wins actually came against Real Salt Lake where we won three nil. So I feel confident going into that match 
especially when you kind of really do a deep dive on who they've played and who they've beat. Yeah, another thing to add to that, we're getting eight whole days of rest. A lot 100%. of that in-game, you had League's Cup, you had Open Cup, you had a lot of stuff going on. Some of those teams were on a couple, just a couple days rest. We're getting eight whole days of rest, um, which will give us time to get ready for the travel and all that stuff. So I feel pretty confident, like you said, um, when it comes to the better teams. And that Orlando team, if we're being completely honest, they're not playing, they haven't played this way all season. If not, they'd no. be... Top it came three, literally so. after League's Cup. They were kind of like us, where they just really turned it Yeah, <laughs> exactly, right? They just really turned it on. And the other thing, too, is their injuries, meaning uh, Salt Lake, they're keeping those injuries. I don't think any – I think they might get one guy back. I'm not sure if it's uh, if it's Farnsworth. I, I didn't look at that one. But Pablo Ruiz is still going to be out, and that's like their biggest one right there. So they're kind of limping into this final match. They just got defeated. And they're going at home where they're not the better team. In fact, they uh, they only uh, they had a minus two overall in terms of scoring at home. Twenty five goals for twenty seven given up. And in fact, they've given up more goals at home than they have on the road. So like, it's not a good matchup for them. Oddly enough, they're really not that great at home. <laughs> yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, we've talked about this when when going into the three game series. I think the fact that it is a three game three game series goes in our favor Um, we're on paper physically right now we're just a better team Um, I'm not worried at all about this matchup and I hate saying that and that because I hope it doesn't bite me in the butt but they didn't do anything on Saturday to have me concerned going into Salt Lake and just like you said deep diving into those numbers I mean my bookie guys get on it right now because uh, now you want to place your bets um so I have to ask you, Brandon, just be be honest with your with your co-host. Were you going into those numbers for the podcast or were you going into those numbers for uh for, for betting? hundred percent. Because like right. I, the thing is, I still think we're gonna be actually favored on the road, or we might be like a plus one oh five, plus one fifteen. And and you're hundred percent right. Cause I'm looking I've actually been betting pretty heavily in these playoffs and doing quite well. Um this is one of those matchups that I genuinely think if they give us any type of favor. I'm taking it. Now, the one thing I won't do is give us a, uh, like if they give us like a plus 1.5 goal, like I'm not doing that. I don't think we're going to win by multiple goals here. I think we're still going to eke out another victory here, mainly because I wouldn't be surprised, as we mentioned, with the yellow card accumulation, I wouldn't be surprised if we did sub off like an Escobar to save him and went to that like three center back and just kind of parked the bus and save more legs and try to just move on to the next round because that next round is huge, either facing off against St. Louis or right as of right now, Kansas city with the upset, like we could be hosting a playoff game. And I think the fresher we are, the more dangerous we become. And I, I, I like our chances. This is the first time, and you know, and, and to be brutally honest, I think the way we dominated at Portland is also another reason why I have a little bit more cocky swagger going into St. Louis, or, and sorry, into Salt Lake because Right now, we we look we did not look like how we usually do on the road, especially with this starting eleven. This starting eleven really can take it on. Yeah, you're exactly right. And speaking on that, um, so as everyone knows, uh, Kansas City won their matchup against St. Louis in an upset four one. So they have uh, they have another match there before uh, closing that one out. And as we speak, it is the 40th minute in Seattle versus Dallas. Um, if Frisco were to win, that gives us home field in the next round exactly. if we were to go that far. So um, 
I'm not saying I'm rooting for Dallas. I'm just hoping Seattle doesn't win. So <laughs> we'll keep it like that. Brandon, before we move on, let's talk about that crowd. Yeah. You were at the match. I had to I had some work stuff come about, but how was it, man? How was the crowd? I'll give you the point of view from a, a TV viewer's perspective, but before I do that, let me know how it was in the supporter section around the stadium. How was everything? So looked up the game one attendance, 17,508. Um, I'm not 100% sure what our official capacity is at um, at the show. Um, 21,000, I, I want to say? I know it's around that, right? Like 21, 22. Yeah. So like we're talking at least about four to 5,000 seats available. It looked it. Um, you mentioned it at the top, the supporter section. No, this is not the issue at all. Supporter section was, we were literally shoulder to shoulder in the top deck there. Everybody was singing. Like, it was a good vibe up there. And people were into it, man. Like, everybody was cheering along. There was no kind of doubt or hatred. Like, there was a couple of guys that I'm high-fiving and hugging that were complete strangers, like, when we scored that second goal. Like, it, usually it's, like, Shay and I just high-fiving, but this time it's, like, me and just the rest of the guys that we suddenly became best friends with. So, like, that was a vibe up there. The biggest disappointment came from two spots. The East, uh, the East Club on the left side there, because... Most people go inside that club to watch inside there and, and hang out and have drinks and stuff. And I get it. It is a vibe in there. If nobody's been in there, like it is cool, but it sucks because that's where the TV cameras point. And then the other downer was when you look at the Heineken uh, bar at the other end of the goal, the kind of like right side or left side, depending on where you're standing, the multicolors, those were completely empty. And I, I, Shay guessed that's kind of like where like the dash and I assume like front office staff and other people can kind of hang out during that match. But if that's the case, not a good look, man, because that also gets on television as well. Uh, I would say right as the match started, it looked like it was like 70% full. That's probably a generous 70. But then once like 10, 15 minutes rolled in, it got up to like at least 80, 85% full. And it, it was good, man. When the rally towels, that was also a nice little, uh, touch they did a good job every time like we had corners like making sure that we were waving the towels and that looked really nice around the stadium but they should have done something more where it was like stand up and cheer like they they need to do a little bit more of not just get your rally towel but like stand up and rally like that would have been a better vibe but for the most part i have a lot more optimism as if we keep winning i think people will keep showing up yeah, I mean, you 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 hit on a lot of points. So on TV, it did not look that great at all. Um, you would see you would see the magic of the supporter section whenever the camera would cut behind goal, um, and just me being a Dynamo fan, I know that we're in good hands when it comes to the supporter section. So I wasn't worried about that. It just sucks because you don't see it. So imagine if you're a first time Dynamo watcher because this is the playoffs, or we're getting viewers from all across the league. They're like, man, what's what's the issue in Houston? Why why aren't there people there? So to your point, that broadcast camera faces the East End Club. Yep. And so the frustrating thing is that like I'm not I'm not giving anyone a hard time for enjoying the sweets. Cause as you said, they offer a lot, they're a pretty penny. You want to enjoy the money you spent. I'm more I'm more so upset at the club for not doing their homework and moving that suite elsewhere. Yeah. Um like I get it. You want premium seating, but what's more important here? Um, I just, for me, it's like, 
if I'm a casual soccer viewer, let's say I'm in Houston and I see how empty it looks, that doesn't really entice me to want to go check out a game. People want to go where people are. And 100%. unfortunately, that broadcast camera doesn't show that. And Houston, we're known to show up late to our games. Look at any Rockets game. Look at Astros game. Those seats fill up as the match goes on. And that did happen here. It, it did get a little bit more full on the edges. But it's a playoff game. It's a first game in six, seven years. Like that should have been full beforehand. Texans were playing away um, that day. Astros weren't playing. There wasn't other live sporting events going on Sunday Except, 5 o'clock. No, the, the Rockets had their home opener against Golden State. And that was like when we got to the uh, parking garage, like they were literally lined up outside of Toyota Center, like trying to get in. So that did rival us. That did take away some tickets. Like I, I'm not going to lie about that. But still, like there's enough people in the fourth largest city in America to fill both places, you know, and, and, and I'm with you. It's, it's not good homework to put the East end club there, especially when the Lexus club, which is on the other side, that had a pretty good crowd and people were not inside the club there. They were actually at their seats. So if you would have flipped the camera views there, it wouldn't have looked as drastically empty. Yeah, I think, I think the club needs to reevaluate some things. It's kind of tough because they put so much money in, and putting that club there, but um, you just have to do something with with where it's situated, or I guess the perks that come with it, because it's it's not a good look. It doesn't allow us to have that true home field advantage with a packed Shell Stadium because everyone's either inside, and the folks that spend that money to go into that club, they're not showing up on time. They're not showing up to be loud. They're showing up because it's a corporate deal. They got corporate tickets nine times out of ten. And again, I don't blame those folks. You get what you pay for. They're yeah. enjoying their perks. Um, it's it's more so on the club. I hope they want to make some changes because if if I'm not mistaken, a lot of those changes made were made before Siegel, before Ted. Um, so hopefully they come in and evaluate. And I'm sure Pat of more than anybody appreciates the energy you get from a crowd. So I hope that he's in his ear like, hey, we should change, change some things around. But aside from that, which isn't the easiest fix, and that probably wouldn't even get fixed until the off season. My other thing was that it just felt like the club was very reactive. Um, we had mentioned the the seating chart on a Tuesday, I want to yeah. say. There was a lot of seats still available. All the way up until kickoff, there was a lot of seats still available. It wasn't until two days prior, it's like, hey, beers on coach, which was cool. <laughs> I, like, Good job. I, I did like that innovation, but you waited two days prior to kickoff. 100%. That should have been in the chamber as soon as we knew when we were playing, what time we were playing, what day. Boom, announce it. Get people hyped up. Give them a whole week to just marinate and the fact that they're going to get free beers. The rally towels, we didn't know until a day or two days prior that we're getting free rally towels. It did not, on outside of the stadium, it did not feel like we had a playoff game happening it felt like a normal game um i mean and and i don't mean to discredit them because i feel like we have one of the better social media teams the yep. the 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 videos and all the content they come out with is amazing i agree it's the other stuff it's the ticketing stuff i'm a season ticket holder now i used to work in in season t in ticket packaging and corporate sponsorships like i was that annoying rep that like I knew what you ate that day because I was checking up on you all the time. I've not had one person call me as a season ticket holder. That's crazy to me. Like, where's the engagement? Where is where are the reps that are hounding on their on their season ticket holders? Why aren't they trying to grow? Are, are they not getting paid commission? 
there's just so much going on in that front office that's very disheartening to me because if I'm a fan and I'm being proactive and trying to find information on season tickets or playoff tickets, imagine the fan who's probably been to Shell Energy Stadium once. Yeah. They're not getting counted. They're not getting calls. Imagine the Liga MX fan, the Tigres fan who likes soccer um, but doesn't really pay too much attention to the MLS. He doesn't know there's a playoff game happening. There's no, like, you have to be annoying when you're in that field. If you're a season ticket rep, if you're a, a ticket a sales manager, you have to be pestering. You have to be annoying. You have to call folks every day. It's a pain in the ass. Sometimes you're going to get yelled at, but you have to do it. That's how you're going to make this business grow. And we don't have that at all. Dude, 100%. So I, I'm going to build on several things that you mentioned there. Um, one it, when you're talking about like the beers on Ben, what an easy way during the ALCS to be handing out like coupons and things like that to everybody. Like, Hey, beers on Ben, turn this coupon in. Like granted, we didn't have to, when we got there, but it would have been really easy if you would have just had that there and said like, you get a premium beer, whatever it might be. doesn't matter. Hand out to set up a tent, pass it out to those 40,000 are going into the Astros. And then maybe half of them sit there and say, Hey, let's go. The other thing is too, like, yes, I'm also a season ticket holder and I don't, we, we don't mean to necessarily like crap all over the front office, but it is our job to challenge them. It's not up to the supporters and also the cr content creators to create all the buzz, which I feel like is 90% of their promotional idea. Like, Hey, we'll put it on Twitter and the rest of them will carry our water. And that's absurd. Now for me, the day before I looked into my app, saw my playoff ticket as Shay and I, producer Shay and I were walking to the game. I was like, dude, my ticket's not in there anymore. And I called the reps, everything, nothing, send an email, nothing. And so what I had to do was quickly just buy one online as I'm walking to the gate, whatever, got my ticket. I'm not going to dwell on this. Let's just go in, watch the match, have some fun. And that was kind of a bummer to me. I did send another follow-up email today saying like, hey, what happened? I want to make sure that my next home ticket is going to be there. Still not a peep. Like, that's not good enough, especially when I've been a season ticket holder for multiple years now. And then finally, the last thing that made me laugh, we kept talking about like, hey, they should have billboards and things. The notion with the Metro train was cool. But to your point, was also a couple of days before the match as well. So it was like, what are we doing there? And then finally, they had a billboard. It was 10 steps outside of the stadium. And it's like, dude, the people that know the stadium here know probably the game is going on. This billboard needs to be up 45 north, south, etc. And then finally, when we held that space, uh, that uh, spaces after the match, Loyal Rockets fan. Remember, he was, it was his first match ever going. And he was like, dude, I wouldn't have known if that was happening if my buddy didn't invite me to the game. That's ridiculous. Like, there's no, and I even asked him where I was like, hey, have you been to a lot of Rockets games? He's like, yeah, tons. I go as much as I can. Had no idea that another sporting event was going to be held, especially playoff time. It's a joke. Like, that's, I think, our biggest gripe against the front office here. Like, I know it's not smart probably for us to pick a fight with them. But at the same time, it's not like they're doing their homework. I don't even think they know we exist. <laughs> if you guys do know we exist, we'd love to get uh, cred credentials, by the way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, and to your point, the, th the the crazier thing is that like, Imagine if we're in Frisco shoes where we're not even in the in the city that we represent. We're downtown. We're a stone's throw away from the Toyota Center, from Minute Maid Park, from all the other thing cool things to do in Houston. We're right there. Like there's just so much you can do, so many creative ways you can market this team. We're in a cool spot. We're in East Downtown. We're surrounded by breweries, arcades. Like there's a lot of ways that you can be innovative 
creative and they don't do anything like i would i worked for a usl team it was so hard to do stuff like that i was across the street from an elementary school if you gave me a brewery if you gave me a barbecue joint if you gave me bars right across the street from where i worked pitch 25 (laughs) yeah pitch 25 like we could have done so much and it's just i feel like they're kind of i can't say this because i don't know anybody that works there but from an outsider's perspective, it feels like they're kind of arrogant. Like you're going to come work with us. We're not going to go out of our way to work with you. We're not yeah. going to. We're not going to do any physical labor. We're not going to do anything that's going to be out of the way for us. You can either come with us or take a hike. That's what it feels yep. like. I could be completely off, but that's what it feels like, and it's frustrating because they they advertise this team as a second rate team. It feels advertised the same way a USL championship team would get advertised. This doesn't feel like one of the primary teams in Houston. This doesn't feel like the Astros, like the Rockets. It should be. If you go to, (laughs) excuse me, if you go to St. Louis, they're getting that kind of love. If you go to LA, they're getting that kind of love. Yeah. Why aren't we? Very frustrating. So peek behind the curtain of my life. I work in the front office for the Space Cowboys. And I I specifically work in events. We held multiple events over these past weekends. There was a Rockets tent at one of our events, not a Dynamo tent. There was a Texans giveaway. There was also an Astros giveaway. There was another Rockets giveaway in terms of like packages and everything like that. Not one single Dynamo thing at all. And this event that we held had over 10,000 people show up. And not only that, it was a Filipino festival, one of them that I worked, where it's multiple international people that are passionate about soccer. And it's like, Make a presence, man. It's not hard to send one person to put up one tent and make it just something where it's like, kick the ball at the goal. Who cares, right? Something simple that it's like, you're already at a sports stadium. Show that you're a part of the community too. I, I, I get what you mean by it feels like it's a little bit arrogant. It seems like if you're a soccer fan, you'll find us, but we're not willing to try to make you a soccer fan. And I think that is the stupidest thing they can possibly do. And it's frustrating because old Dynamo, before Siegel, they turned, and we, again, shameless plug, we talked about this with Glenn, they turned a lot of people off um, when they had uh, when they were in the academy game. So you have a lot of guys who did not like the Dynamo. They saw the Dynamo as an enemy, so they need to fix that. They need to mend all those, all those relationships that were broken. That's how you do it, those type of events. Get out there. Go to the community. Tell them the story. Let people know this is a new era. This is a new generation. We have a new yes. GM, a new coach, a new owner. People need to know the story because, again, we're the lowest hanging fruit. I'm going to go out of my way to hear stories about the Dynamo. I'm going to go out of my way to find out who the new GM is, who the new president is, whatever yes. whatever's happening. I'm low-hanging fruit. Don't worry about me. I'm going to find that. Go to the people who don't do the homework, who don't do the research. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it was frustrating. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. Hopefully this offseason they clean all that up. Uh, we mentioned before, Ted has done a good job of fixing specific things, and it gets better as we see. So hopefully that's next. One thing I did want to notice, you talked about that rail line. We're starting to see a lot of that purple. And it was even <laughs> in that new playoff mer- in that new uh, playoff merch. Um, there's a purple shirt. Are they hinting at something happening next year? Yeah, and uh, shout out to Foxtrot. I saw his uh, poll that he put up where he talked about like our uh, away kits coming up, and because like every two years you get to alternate between a new home kit and a new away kit, and our blacks are uh, our away kits are going to be up for, I guess, redesign this following season. 
I wouldn't be shocked if we went purple. And I'm also not against it. Like, I think that's kind of a cool look. I know uh, producer Shay, he, he's usually not a big fan of black and orange because he says that, like, it feels too Halloween-y. And, like, I get that. I, I do like it because they are simple colors to put together. And most people have that in their closet. But I'm not I, – I think purple can go very much with – the Houston Screwston type of a deal. So I'm, I'm cool with that. I, and plus purple and orange is, is, is a unique look. I'm, I'm, I wouldn't be shocked if they did it. And also I think it's a good little touch. Yeah. I love it. And I know they'll never say it. They'll never mention it, but I know what they're doing with the purple. If you grew yeah. up in Houston in the nineties, yeah. you know what they're doing with the purple. Yeah. My only, uh, I, and I, like you said, I love it. I think it's unique looking. Um, there's, there's that little wink, wink, you know, if you know, you know, kind of deal with the purple, with the purple stuff. Um, (laughs) But my only issue, and I'm trying to pull it up right now so I can get a better look at it. My only issue was in one of the playoff shirts was that shade of purple. Um, It was more of like, like the Barney dinosaur purple. Um, (laughs) And I didn't like that. I didn't like the playoff merch, to be honest with you. I know we, I've talked about my feels on the Somos Fearless campaign. It just feels like a mouthful. And there's yeah. one of the there's one of the merchandise items, and I'm trying to pull it up. Here it is. That just has a lot going on. So I do like the Queremos La Copa shirt. Uh, the scarves were pretty cool. Scarves look it's, good. It's the purple shirt. It's the purple shirt again. The purple shirt. I don't like the shade of purple. I think it should be a darker purple. But it says 2023 playoffs with the big Houston Dynamo badge, and then at the bottom, Hustle Town versus the Doubters. Yeah. Mouthful. It's a mouthful, it the doubters, like I've never heard anybody call them the doubters. It's just like, you know, Houston versus everybody, yeah. Houston versus the haters. I've never heard of the doubters. I think, uh, I don't know. I think they were just like, well, let's be different. Um, I think if they would have just left it at hustle town, that would have been fine. You know, yeah. like, that would have said everything it needed to say. And it, it, it represents us. I, I will say also more shout out to a little bit to the graphics team, what they did inside the stadium uh, they changed up kind of like the score graphics and stuff like that to match the uh, the the colors of the Somos Fearless. That looked good, especially with the night sky and how that cold front was rolling in. Like it literally did look like hell in the shell, by the way, because like the start of the match was bright as can be. And then it got dark and scary. So like it went it was a cool vibe. And and we mentioned it. Our, our beef is not with like the social media or like the graphic design team. I think that was a huge step up for what we've done. I just think it's some of the marketing stuff and the front office stuff that, that can do more. And, and, and we're not just saying this as like two idiots. We're, we're people that have worked in this and have worked in this. So it's, we, we kind of know what we're talking about here, but, and, and we we're almost more willing to help than anything. Yeah. I mean, like we complain because we care, but exactly. like, I'm also like, I'm willing to do what needs to be done to get people out there. We're spreading the word. I mean, just doing, the damn podcast like it takes a lot it takes a lot to edit it takes a lot to take our time out of our work work schedules so um i just i know what houston houston's capable of i know what houston's soccer scene is capable of and i just want to see that place jumping thriving i want to be notorious across the league i want people to hate coming to houston because of the heat and because of the fans i know i know we can get there go ahead and to do some butt kissing here like as much of our complaining is it goes to show how strong like all of our community inside the dynamo, all those that like support our podcast and the other creators and everything that they do on social media, like 
those people have been awesome, man. Like you, we, we've been getting some like really nice messages from people and like saying kind things to us about like not only our content, but pushing all this stuff. Like they're awesome, man. And I, and I'm not just saying that like, because I want them to promote more of our stuff. Like I'm saying that because like without them, I think this team would be in much more wretched place. Yeah, no, it's, uh, the content creators, whether they're affiliated with the, uh, with the club or not, they, they've been keeping this, this, the ship afloat i mean even when the times were grim like the guys at uh bayou city and dominic in uh dynamic foxtrot like those guys were here during the worst of times i don't know how the yeah. hell you could have covered this team whenever <laughs> we had matt jordan as a gm man so shouts out to them for sure um before we move on um let's talk about so seattle just scored I don't know if you saw that. I didn't. Seattle scored. It is one nothing. Uh, Seattle over Frisco. It's halftime. But uh, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the rest of the playoffs. I know you've been keeping a close eye. Um, my book. If you're listening, we have two gamblers on this podcast. So <laughs> I was going to say, sense. yeah, I, a little peek behind the curtain for everybody else. We we are going to start to kind of open up some of our discussion with the betting that we're doing because. Not to, I'm sure I'm going to jinx myself now, but I, I've been doing quite well with MLS betting all year long, and these playoffs have been pretty generous. And the other thing is, I feel like the uh, the bookies don't really watch MLS soccer because you can get some really good odds, and and you parlay that, and you're making pretty decent money. But yeah, let's let's start from the from the top there. So like Philly and uh, New England, that was a three one Philly win. Uh, actually, Philly scored all three of their goals in the first half there. Um, but surprisingly new England dominated a lot more of it. Like if you just looked at the statistics, you're shocked that new England got smoked by two goals. They, uh, they had 54% of possession compared to 46. Uh, the only thing that they did was get outshot. Philly had 18 shots to their 14, but we, we mentioned when we kind of predicted games there that Philly was going to come away with that one. Not surprising that they take it at home. Now they just have to do it on the road, but Philly is a scary team, man. If they hit form, they really are going to make a threat in the East over there. Uh, so LAFC 5-2 over Vancouver. Dennis Mwanga is absolutely out of his mind right now. He's scoring goals left and right. The biggest shocker is Carlos Vela. Now, he's actually hinted that he might retire. He is a free agent at the end of this season. So that is something to watch out for. But the one thing that he did actually go on record just recently saying is, well, I'm playing out of position this year. Now, that's a, one thing I'm kind of like, what does he really mean by that? Is he saying like, hey, this is the reason why my numbers aren't usually as high as they are? Or is this kind of like a back channeling way of saying, I know I'm getting older, but I'm not necessarily ready to retire if you're willing to put me in position. And we kind of already have another Mexican star on our team. I'm not, I, I don't know how much I would love Carlos Vela coming, but I wouldn't hate it if he decided to, especially for the right price. So that is something that is interesting to watch at LAFC. I mentioned it a couple of times now here on the pod. This isn't a stat that I'm making up. 90% of LAFC's goals have come from Mwanga and Vela. So like they, that was a 5-2 drumming where, again, Boanga uh, uh, had a had a brace in that, but other people did score as well. So it was nice for them to at least have some goal scorers outside of just those two. Because in the regular season, it was Vela and Dennis, and then their second, their third leading scorer was their right back. So I that's positive to me if they can continue that trend because the further they go – well, we know which two guys to kind of shut down and it kind of opens up the field for us. And we did a good victory over there. So 
LAFC beating Vancouver. I think they take it again when they travel to, to Vancouver. I think this is a this is over in two. Um, then uh, since he was three nil over uh, the Red Bulls, that's not sh- uh, shocking at all. The supporter shield. The one thing that is shocking is since he actually did close out the season, really struggled at home, which is surprising because they have a legit home field advantage and actually their um their designated player that's at the center back he's only had one win in like seven games that he's played he's injured a lot but ever since he's been back there since he had like fallen apart in the defensive line so for them to win three nil especially over a red bulls team that has a very strong defensive back line and they showed it in their in their wild card match against charlotte they completely blew him out five two but uh, in, in that matchup, since he dominated everything, I mean, they had 55% uh, uh, to their 45%. The only thing is they got outshot tremendously. They had 9 to, uh, to 16. But since he also had 100 more completed passes than, than the Red Bulls. So that's another matchup that I think since he goes on the road, they take that into. There's really not many games here that I think might go, might go three. Uh, the other one, finally, was last night's shocker, man. Sporting KC put it on St. Louis, dude, 4-1, and it wasn't even close. Now, the one thing that was amazing stat, I sent this in our group chat. In the 26 years that Sporting KC has been in the league and going to the playoffs, they've only won two wins on the road. So last night made it three for them in their entire franchise, like history. So that shows how important home field advantage is to Sporting KC. And they don't got it. They're the eighth seed. So the next round, they'd have to come to us. Now, we didn't look great when we had to play at uh, Sporting KC earlier this year. They beat us, and they were also like a man down most of that match. So I'm I'm not uh, – they, they do scare me. They've been in incredible form. I mentioned it in spaces since May. Sporting KC's uh, been one of the top dogs with 41 points since May. So, like, they have really hit form where they kind of struggled for most of the season. They're getting healthy as well going uh, as the season goes on. And, dude, they just absolutely made St. Louis look silly last night. And that's awesome because St. Louis is very much home-driven. And, you know, the one thing that I will give us credit on, you and I have multiple times been saying, like, I'm not really much of a believer in St. Louis yet. Like, they're new to the game. You got to prove it. And even Glenn kind of echoed that as well when he was just like, "Mm, they haven't really proven it yet until they prove it. It's just kind of all talk. And they fell apart. Now, the one goal for St. Louis – did come from Tim Parker, that bastard. But uh, he's played well this year, so he, he had a nice goal. But they, they didn't show anything. Kloss, who's usually their top goal scorer, he couldn't get much. And then finally today's match, uh, Orlando won 1-0 over Nashville. It was an absolute banger of a goal from outside. But other than that, it was kind of a little bit back and forth, not too many chances. Mukhtar, uh hit the cross. Or, well, actually, it was a fingertip save from the goalie then that then hit the crossbar. Otherwise, it could have been another back-to-back banger. Like It would have been so sick. Nashville is one. I don't think they can do it to Orlando. Now, at home, it is different. They did go to the League's Cup final. Mukhtar is one of the best goal scorers in MLS, so they could possibly force it to a Game 3. But that would be shocking because Orlando has been in incredible form. And then, as you mentioned right now, it's one nothing uh, Seattle uh, over over Dallas. That's another matchup that I think ends in two. Dallas can't score. Uh, they're, they're just, I mean, even though they have Jesus Ferreira, they just have not been able to score. Seattle's amazing at home. I think they take it on the road too. So I, I really don't see any of these matchups going to a game three. Yeah. And as we said, um, because of the playoff implications, we don't want Dallas to win. We just want yeah. Seattle to lose. So it's very important. You meant you worded like that. You know, one thing that I wanted to, we have a few minutes here. Um, 
um, before we end and wrap things up. But one thing I wanted to mention, um, I don't think that these playoffs have been more fun than usual because MLS playoffs are always fun. I, I just think Apple has done an amazing job presenting them and it's just so much easier to access now as opposed to years past with ESPN and stuff like that. And the reason I bring that up was we were on the space and uh, you were just updating me like goal, goal, St. Louis <laughs> Parker scored goal, St. Uh, Kansas city. I was like, dude, what the, I got to turn this game on. So I remember I started watching it just from your commentary, but then I was thinking I had a bunch of old colleagues that I used to work with and they were hitting me up because they weren't uh, dynamo guys. You know, everyone had their teams and they were just like, dude, when did the, when did the dynamo get so fun to watch? And I was thinking about that. Like, I'm used to watching this year's Dynamo, so I wasn't surprised. But we had so many first-time viewers that were like, holy crap, like, when did the Dynamo get fun? And I'm just thinking to myself, like, man, we probably had, we probably turned so many heads yesterday that, you know, we haven't even discussed of people who just didn't know about New Look Dynamo, didn't know about Hector Adetta's Dynamo or post-Leagues Cup Dynamo. Like, I had, no joke, I had about four people text me, like, one, are you at the game? Two, holy crap. Like, <laughs> this team's fun. What the hell? This game is fun. And so it was just really awesome to finally hear because usually we're the butt of, of jokes. Um, I'm with you. It, and it, it made it nice too, that like the matchups were also on uh, Fox sports, but then also Apple, for those that don't know, the first round's free on Apple right now. So like, even if you don't have the league pass, you can still tune in and watch. So hopefully some of those people decide to like jump in on that and, and check it out. Cause you're exactly right, man. The MLS playoffs are always fun. And especially these Dynamo, man, like that tic-tac-toe play that they do outside of the box, like that's stuff that you do on FIFA. And when you can see that in real person, like it's it's just, it's beautiful to watch. Yeah, I have a bunch of buddies overseas and in Europe um, that, you know, follow their teams in the EPL. And I've been like asking them, like, please just watch. If you're going to watch the MLS, just watch this match. And yeah. I think two of them watch them. Uh, one's in Manchester. And the other ones, I want to say he's in Newcastle for work, but uh, they were just like, dude, you're right. Like, this is pretty fun. And so they were surprised. Um, they were surprised with uh, the clip you recorded, actually, of the uh, with the flags and the band and the streamers yeah. all throw in. So um, people don't realize that MLS, we get down like that. Yeah, it's so, a good time, man. Uh, I, I mentioned it yesterday. Like, the Kool Aid right now is extra sweet. Somebody didn't read the instructions and they put two cups of sugar instead of the one cup of sugar. <laughs> so, the Kool Aid is just super diabetic sweet right now. So, I'm just over here sipping away. Um, one little note I wanted to leave before we ended things. Um, I was a little disappointed, and I know I've been getting mixed, uh, I've been reading mixed things about the playoff pricing. Yeah. I wish that there was a way that the dynamo could help those who have been loyal through these dark times. What are your thoughts on like a loyalty plan? I mean, I know they have one for like percentage off the team store and concessions and stuff like that. But if like, let's say you supported the dynamo the last five years, you got 10% off, off playoff tickets, specifically playoff tickets. Like I was really bummed out. They didn't do something like that. And then I, somebody on Twitter or X um, tweeted out that it was set by the MLS, but again, it's yep. Twitter. I don't know if you can trust everybody, um, but I hope that there's something like that in the future. Um, where do so they start I, rewarding? Go ahead. Sorry. I have a, I actually have an interesting thought on that. So, cause I, I'm the same way, right? I read that MLS sets the pricing. So if that's the case, 
they're partners with Apple, right? So then why doesn't Apple do a thing where if you have Apple uh, MLS League Pass, you get a percentage off for playoff tickets? So that way it's not so much on our front office to always have to kind of pony up and do this. They can still reap the benefits, but then it also makes it a little bit more of a reward for those to sign up for League Pass. And what's nice, too, is if you get season tickets, you automatically get a free League's Pass. So, like, there's already that kind of built in for Dynamo loyal fans. So there is a quote unquote loyalty route to this. I just think it takes a little bit more creativity because I'm with you. They're going to end up pricing out the fan that's been there from day one. That's my biggest fear because I don't want to be somebody that's a season ticket holder. And then suddenly like, Hey, I can't go just because it's, it's taking too much of my budget to just live life, you know, like that sucks. So I think they can get creative. If they can get creative enough to bring Messi over here, they can get creative enough to make sure that pricing for playoff tickets is affordable and, and, and reasonable and yet works out for everyone. They got creative enough to almost have Cristiano yeah. in yeah, Kansas exactly. City. Like they can make it happen. It's funny because it reminds me, and we'll leave it at this. It reminds me of, Again, another meme. There's that meme that like all girls post when they're newly single, and it's like, if you couldn't handle me, handle me at my worst, <laughs> you don't deserve me at my best. Like, dude, if you handled the Houston Dynamo during the Matt Jordan era, you deserve yeah. everything plus the kitchen sink. Like, yes, give folks more than twenty percent off concessions or or team store, whatever it is. Like, give them a discount on playoff tickets. Give them a free jersey. Give them something because I don't know how the hell you could bear through Matt Jordan era. Um, for that long, like those season ticket holders deserve a whole lot more than what they're currently getting. And I hope that Houston specifically becomes creative and, and rewards those folks because they deserve much more than what they're getting right now. Couldn't agree more. I think there's a route to do this. It's just going to take creativity and a little bit of pushback from the fans, because I, I don't think that we're going to accept constant ticket price hikes. And we, we did mention that on spaces that if like we signed like a Greaseman, you know, the front office is going to be salivating to jack up the prices on us. And that is my biggest fear is that we spend money on a big name to just outprice everybody into this market because you know, the resale value, like kind of what happened with inner Miami that has balanced out a little bit over time, but it was also because he also got injured for a long time as well. So like it, it can be done. I am worried about it. I think that is an interesting thing for us to do a deep dive on and talk about it. And hopefully the fans as well. Like, let's get creative. Let's push back, you know? Agreed. Well, that's how we're going to wrap up the show, folks, uh, for the way we ball. Actually, hold on. Before we, we do that, we didn't get any predictions. What are your predictions for Monday? Monday, I think we win 2-0. Uh, 2-0. Oh, okay. I think... I'm going 1-0. I think we score, and I think we park the bus, throw in all the defensive subs, let the guys rest, and I think it's going to be a very boring 1-0, and we move on to Kansas City. I'm sorry, Kansas City moves on to us. Damn right, baby. All righty, fellas. If you made it this long, thank you so much. Please rate and please five stars, of course, and please subscribe to the podcast. Check us out on all socials, underscore the way we ball podcast, and on YouTube, the way we ball podcast. Everybody, for the way we ball podcast, I'm Jamal. And I'm Brandon, and this is the way we ball.